0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast. This is our Tuesday edition of week 13, uh, January 10th of 2023. Uh, If we're being technically honest here, uh, it's January 11th. I'm filming this very late at night. Um, But regardless, we're covering Tuesday's action or we're doing what we do on the Tuesday show, which more accurately, we cover Monday's action and the news up to uh, and including Tuesday night so we're recapping Monday's games we're talking about the latest news in the NBA uh, and then we're going on a little more long-form discussions uh, and on Tuesday shows we focus more on the award chases in the NBA should have a little bit of a more interesting discussion we have some uh, a new talking point with that and we'll get to that uh, a little bit later on the show um, but let's go ahead and get started with our um game summaries. That's the first thing we're going to do. Uh, Game summaries from last, uh, from Monday's action, excuse me, the ninth. We had six games that day. Uh, Firstly, the New Orleans Pelicans went into Washington against the Wizards, and they were able to win 132 to 111. uh, Despite, of course, their kind of depleted roster. Um, And fairly competitive through the first half, but then New Orleans Built a big lead in the second. Were able to win that game. For the Wizards, uh, 23 points, 10 rebounds for Porzingis. He led them in the effort. 19 points from Kuzma as well. All starters scored in double figures, but not a wealth of scoring off the bench. Meanwhile, for New Orleans, they were led by 34 from CJ McCollum. Starting sort of at that pseudo point guard role. Um, 27 points, 12 boards for Jonas Valanciunas. 18 points as well for Najee Marshall. And two double-figure scores off the bench in Alvarado and Graham, the two guards, as New Orleans picks up the win there. Nice little bounce back after the loss to Brooklyn. Next, we have – fit a load for me uh, – the Boston Celtics hosting the Chicago Bulls, and they defend home court 107-99. Uh, Bulls made a push towards the end of the game but Boston was able to hold on to a lead and secure the victory. Chicago, pretty competitive throughout. Uh, In this game, they had 27 points from Zach Levine without – no, DeMar DeRozan did place, excuse me. Uh, DeSomu got the start at uh, the point guard. So 27 points from Zach Levine, 21 points, 13 boards for Nikola Vucevic, and uh, Williams and DeRozan also in double figures. Meanwhile, for Boston – Jason Tatum, strong game, 32 points, eight boards, seven assists. Uh, 19 from Jalen Brown as well. 20 off the bench for Grant Williams at a nice game. And 11 from Malcolm Brogdon off the bench as well. Kind of a lower scoring game, a little more, more of a defensive battle. Um, sort of a, there's a hints of a rivalry in that, both those franchises' histories, but um, nice win for Boston nonetheless. And they, you know, continue to get wins and important wins. So uh, a nice one for them. Next, the Milwaukee Bucks in the Garden. Madison Square Garden against New York Knicks uh, in New York, and they rally from 17 down. They win against New York, 111 to 107. Uh, Yeah, New York held a big third quarter lead. Milwaukee brought it to a close game in the fourth. It was back and forth in the fourth, and uh, Milwaukee comes out on top. For New York, they were without R.J. Barrett. Uh, I think he's missed a few games with some sort of an injury. Um, But for New York, they got a big push from Jalen Brunson, 44 points, seven boards, and four assists on some great shooting, including 10 of 10 from the free throw line. He was was struggling from the free throw line last week, so good to see him 10 of 10 in this game. Um, Excuse me, 25 points, 16 rebounds from Julius Randle. As well, and they also had 23 points from Emmanuel quickly. However, outside of those three, uh, the rest of the team, no one had more than four points individually. Meanwhile, for Milwaukee, a much more balanced attack: uh, seven players in double figures, including 22 points from Giannis. He led the way. Not his most dominant game in terms of scoring or efficiency from uh, the floor, but still got the job done. Ten boards as well uh meanwhile pat Connton also grabbed 11 rebounds he led the bucks in rebounding kind of surprising there uh and 17 from brooke lopez also helped support that along with three blocks and one steal he continues to be a solid defensive presence and his name is uh a key name in the defensive player of the year conversation but of course we'll get more into that in just a moment with our awards race discussion uh we're halfway through our games so let's go to the fourth game Uh, Memphis Grizzlies hosting the San Antonio Spurs and they uh, quote from the NBA website, Grizzlies race away from Spurs in fourth quarter. They win this game 121 to 113. Um, Yeah. Look at the game charts. San Antonio took a lead early in the fourth after trailing big throughout much of the game, but then Memphis took the lead right back and were able to get the win Uh, for San Antonio. They have a nice balanced effort, six guys and double figures led by 18 from Trey Jones, who got the start against his brother, Tyus Jones, who had 24 points for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, similar seven guys in double figures from Memphis, 15 rebounds for Steven Adams and uh, Memphis able to get the win against San Antonio. Cool moment to have those two brothers starting against each other at point guard and a nice win for Memphis. <clears throat> Next. Denver Nuggets defend home court against the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, as LeBron did not play in this game, the Nuggets win one twenty two to one hundred nine, and it wasn't a big contest throughout. I mean, Lakers made it sort of close in the third, but then Nuggets built that lead right back up, and they controlled the game from then on. For the Lakers, uh, Russell Westbrook stepped off, stepped up, still coming off the bench, uh, twenty five points, seven rebounds, seven assists, on some decent percentages. Uh, seventeen and ten for Thomas Bryant. He continues to be a solid player now that he's back from uh, injury early in the season. Fourteen for Max Christie getting the start, and fourteen for Dennis Schroeder as well. Fifteen from Kendrick Nunn off the bench. Uh, for Denver though, they had another big triple double from Nicole Jokic. Fourteen points, eleven rebounds, sixteen assists. He was perfect from the floor to not miss a shot or a free throw, and he also got a steal and a block. Uh, the scoring leader was Jamal Murray 34 points for him on some great percentages and in total they had six guys in double figures as they get the win at home and finally the Sacramento Kings light the beam once again at home they win against the Orlando Magic 136 to 111 uh quote unquote from the NBA website Kings put on offensive clinic against the Magic uh and yeah Kings steadily built a big lead throughout this game um For Orlando, solid game from Bancaro. He led them in scoring with 17 points. Um, They also had 16 from Franz Wagner and uh, Markel Fultz. Each had 16, 15 from Wendell Carter Jr. And 12 for Maurice Wagner off the bench and 14 for Jalen Suggs. Um, Overall, not a terrible performance from Orlando, but Sacramento, as I mentioned Very hot from the floor. They shot above 50% as a team. They shot exactly 50% from three-point range. They made 23 three-pointers in this game. Uh, They're led by 30 points from Harrison Barnes. He had a great game. Shot above 80% from the floor and from three, six of seven from the three-point line. Um, 12 points, 10 boards, eight assists for Damana Sabonis. 15, including... Uh, all 15 points, excuse me, were on five three-pointers from Keegan Murray. He's suddenly become one of the best three-point shooters, uh, at least for rookies, if not, you know, in the Western Conference or at, out of forwards within the last, you know, several weeks. He's been shooting three ball very well. Um, they also got 14 from Kevin Herter, 11 from De'Aaron Fox, uh, nine assists from De'Aaron Fox as well, and three other guys in double figures coming off the bench Uh, to, as I said, light that beam in Sacramento. They get a win uh, against an Orlando team that's still trying to find themselves. So that takes us through our game summaries. Let's go ahead and talk real quick about our uh, key news from the last day or so. A couple of injury notes. Uh, Toronto forward Otto Porter Jr., he has undergone a a season-ending surgery on his left foot. Uh, He had been sidelined with a dislocated toe and he's only played a handful of games for them this year. And now he'll be out for the rest of the season. Definitely tough news for Toronto. He, you know, he's one of their big free agent signings this offseason. Uh, and he was coming off of a, a championship with Golden State. So expected to come in and help that culture to help build things in Toronto. So definitely a big loss for them. And for Chicago, uh forward Javante Green will undergo a right knee surgery. And he will be evaluated in two weeks, per Jamal Collier of ESPN. Uh, meanwhile, Adrian Renat- Wojnarowski, also of ESPN, has said that uh, he, that Chicago rather, expects or hopes that he'll be back within a month. So somewhere within that two to four week time frame, uh, Javante Green should hopefully be back for Chicago. Both these guys wish them the best in their, <clears throat> excuse me, their recovery from these injuries and these surgeries. Uh, Golden State good news in the injury department uh Steph Curry returns he returned tonight after an 11 game absence uh, got the start he wore the uh, compression on that shoulder where he got the injury that pulled him out for those games um so he's back in the lineup he played tonight so great news for them especially as they're still trying to make that push right the ship from the beginning of the season now that we're at the halfway point and see if they can you know race off and start to string some wins together a little more consistently. Oh, excuse me. I'm losing my voice here. For Orlando, uh, forward Jonathan Isaac, name you might have forgotten about, uh, he is set to play in Lakeland Magic of the G League, their Wednesday game versus the Westchester Knicks. So he's been assigned to uh, the Orlando Magic G League affiliate to at least play that game, potentially play another game with them. And this is the closest he's been to a return in quite some time. He has missed pretty much all of the last couple seasons. I, in fact, I think it might be all of the last couple of seasons with uh, with an injury or you know a couple different injuries. The last I believe that he played, and I can double check that real quick. I believe the last time he played was in the Orlando the bubble in uh, twenty twenty. Yeah, the end of the 2020 season. But let's go ahead and double-check that before I'm making a statement. Yes, that was the last he played. Um, He did not play at all in the last two seasons due to ACLs, Uh, different ACL injury. Not sure if it's been the same leg repeatedly, both legs, um, but he has not played in quite some time, but he's going to have a chance to play a couple G League games as he continues to get ramped up and hopefully be able to make a return for Orlando. So again, great news for him, great news for Orlando. Uh, hopefully we'll see him in action in the NBA soon. Uh, transactional note, for uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, again, of ESPN, the Atlanta Hawks are going to be signing forward Derek Favors to a 10-day contract. Uh, he last played with Oklahoma City. I think that was season before last or maybe last season. Uh, let me go ahead and double-check that again so I don't speak incorrectly. Uh, yes, last season he played with Oklahoma City for about a uh, half season's worth of games. He, As we know, he was a solid starter, good player for the Jazz, but he has been getting older and kind of regressing. Get, you know, He's on the decline in his career. But Atlanta's going to bring him in. Hopefully, help out their, uh, you know, their forward position. Maybe due to some injuries, or going to give him a shot. But uh, nice to see him back in the league. He's a player that I've liked, of course, as a Jazz fan. I liked what he brought to the Jazz. Um, and then a fun kind of side note relating to the NBA. But former NBA player Jared Jeffries uh, went on The Price is Right, the popular game show, and won a car. So congratulations, uh, Jared, on winning the car. Um, If you don't remember Jared Jeffries, or you haven't heard the name, he was a a productive, um, more of a role player, but he was a solid guy in the NBA for uh, quite some time. I want to say about 10 seasons. Uh, I remember most specifically with uh, the Knicks and the Wizards. Um, But, yeah, he was an okay player, but that's just fun to, you know, it's fun for anyone to win a car, but have have it to be – for it to be a former NBA player, that's just kind of a fun fun thing to note. So congratulations again to um, Jared Jeffries for winning a car. Now, that takes care of the summaries, the key news. So now let's go to the award chases discussion. And we have a little bit of a different approach uh, this week. Normally, in the past, I have kind of talked just loose form about who I think are leaders in this uh, category. But... With it pretty much being the midpoint of the NBA season, the NBA has released today. They released a bunch of midseason stuff, uh, report cards that they do, you know, ranking how teams have done as far as their expectations. Um, but they also do a yeah, midseason report grades for Eastern Conference. They also did grades for Western Conference. But they also have done a midseason media survey. And in the survey, they had, let's see uh 30 beat reporters or columnists representing each nba market including two from new york and two in los angeles of course for the two teams in those markets uh percentages for the uh, results are based on 30 total votes for each question and they ask a variety of things teams poised to make a run who they think will win championship best play best game so far um and then they do discuss awards, so I thought it'd be you know worthwhile seeing what these panel of different media people think are you know the names in this conversation. We look at the MVP, pretty you know similar to what we've already talked about. Luca uh, has a forty three percent. He was the most picked to win the MVP this season, followed very closely by Nikola Okic, a two time defending MVP, tied for third. Uh, seven percent each. Giannis and Jason Tatum. I think that that lines up, and then three percent for Kevin Durant. And that's kind of interesting. I think his name should be higher. I would kind of put him third above Giannis and Tatum, or maybe fourth behind Tatum. But <clears throat> that's just what they said. <clears throat> but pretty close to what we've already talked about on the show. Definitely what we've already talked about with rookie of the year as well. Paolo Bancaro, ninety-seven percent. Benedict Mathurin, three percent. It's pretty close to what we've said. Matherin's the only guy that's really close in that conversation. Otherwise, Banqueiro's been far and away the best rookie so far. Um, Defense player of the year. This is one where I haven't known exactly where to go, and it looks like there's plenty of guys that received votes and consideration for this. O.J. Ananobi of Toronto. We know he is or was at one point, if he isn't now. Leading the league in steals. Uh, Joel Embiid of Philadelphia. Bam Adebayo of Miami. A couple of guys that are always somewhere in this kind of mix of at least a conversation. Dylan Brooks of Memphis and Draymond Green of Golden State. Um, but the main three they had, number one was Brooke Lopez, 37 percent. Jaron Jackson, Jr. of Memphis, 27 percent. And Jarrett Allen of Cleveland, 10 percent. So three bigger guys, rim, more rim-protecting guys, but also in a modern NBA, are a little more versatile able to switch and, you know, p- guard some, you know, smaller, quicker guys. Um, Jaron Jackson's one that I haven't mentioned, but I think it was simply because he might have not qualified for statistical. Like I had, you know, pulled up stats for the season and maybe had missed games and his stats didn't come up or I simply overlooked him, which is equally as possible. So, Definitely a name. Jared Allen, of course, you know, the rebounding, the the rim protection. Similar thing from kind of all three of these guys as far as defensively. I'm sure there's, you know, some nuances, some differences there, but definitely great names. Also, six-man, definitely a lot of names in this conversation, and we've talked about this. Um, Russell Westbrook, Malik Monk, Norman Powell, and Bobby Portis were all names getting votes. That were not in this top three or four. And those are all great names. I think Westbrook should be higher in the conversation as far as what he's done. I know the Lakers still struggle, and Westbrook has his own flaws and faux pas, but I like him. I like his fit coming off the bench and more of that instant offense and leading a second unit. I like that fit for Los Angeles. And statistically, he's been great. Malik Monk's been a nice spark for Sacramento. Norman Powell's been great, especially the last month or so. And Bobby Portis is always solid. Uh, The top names they have, Jordan Poole of Golden State, 33%. Malcolm Brogdon of Boston, 23%. Then tied for third with 13% each, Benedict Matherin and Christian Wood. Uh, I think Matherin's probably the leading scorer of those guys, and that would be a lot of fun to see a rookie win six-man of the year I don't, if that has happened, it hasn't happened for a while. Um, Christian Wood would be solid, solid pick. Brogdon has been okay. I feel like that's still lingering from what we thought going into the season when we realized that Boston would play him coming off the bench. And Pool's good, but Pool's started a good chunk of games. He'll probably not be starting as much with Steph Curry back, but regardless, a lot of great names. I personally would put either Mathurin or Westbrook towards the top of that conversation. Maybe Portis or Powell, you know, kind of next up. But that's my opinion. Um, most improved player, they've only got four names here. They have Lowry uh top 53%. Shea just alexander second, 33%. And tied for third, Tyrese Halliburton and Anfrey Simons, 7% each. I like the Lowry pick, but I don't know if he's most improved. I think he's, like most increased role and he definitely has improved and he's been a much more versatile player than he has been in the past as far as expectation and performance Um, but I would as much as I like the finisher I'd probably put Shea Gilders-Alexander number one the statistical leap and Oklahoma City's still not a ultra competitive team but they feel a little bit more competitive than maybe they've been in the past, especially as they're still missing their recent lottery pick, Chet Holmgren, who was supposed to, you know, be a piece that helped, you know, take him to the next level. And it was the continued building and that kind of stalled, but Thund- the Thunder have still been a little better than maybe to expect. So i put SGA number one, probably Halliburton two, and then Markkinen, but all great names regardless. Uh, Coach of the Year conversation, uh, they, Mike Brown, Rick Carlisle, and J.B. Bickerstaff all received consideration, but their top three was Jacques Vaughn, 43%, Willie Green, 23%, and Joe Missoula, 23%. And if I was to name one, um, this shouldn't matter. I'm going to look this up anyways. Um, This shouldn't matter, but it kind of influences the award winner. The last coach of the year winner was Monty Williams. So Celtics coach hasn't won it for, you know, hasn't won it recently. I think Missoula would probably be my pick number one right now. Jacques Vaughn close behind. Then either Bickerstaff or Willie Green. Mike Brown's a good pick too, but a lot of great names. But these are kind of just how I'd order it in comparison. Um, and then lastly, on track to win clutch player of the year. This is one I've been forgetting to mention in our award races simply because it's a brand new award. We didn't even know about it until a month or two ago. Um, And they have Luca number one, 47%. Darren Fox, second, 13%. And Durant, third, 10%. But also Lillard, Shea Gilders, alexander uh, Jason Tatum, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Donovan Mitchell, and Kyrie Irving are also receiving uh, votes in that discussion. So I think that covers everything as far as uh, award chases. And again, this I thought this would help just kind of offer a second perspective. I can bounce my thoughts off of it. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of these where it's a little more clear cut, but then a lot of them, there's still a lot. It's a a very interesting mix. And even MVP, you know, we look back, they had Doncic and Jokic kind of singled out and as far as number of votes but even mvp i think you've got four or five guys that all make really solid cases for mvp up to this point in the season so a lot of these award chases are going to be very interesting especially in the second half of the season to see what players and teams do going forward so definitely worth noting um and that kind of takes care of our uh, award chase discussion let's go ahead and um I wanted to highlight a bonus piece here before we wrap things up. Um, This is an article from ESPN by Kevin Pelton. Uh, He's a senior writer at ESPN. This is from a little more than a week ago, January 2nd. Uh, The the headline, uh, the historic absurdity of these Jekyll and Hyde warriors. And another headline, it's too bad the Golden State Warriors can't play all their games at home. Now, this is a piece that I mentioned yesterday on the show, but didn't have the article pulled up to remember the specifics, but I thought I would um, pull this up to get more stats backed up and tell you exactly what the the deal was. Um, Let's see. Golden State's overall 19 and 18, a record conceals a two-face level separation between their two personalities. Um, At the Chase Center's, the Warriors remain unstoppable without the injured Steph Curry. So again, a week ago demonstrated by a Christmas day win over the West leading Memphis Grizzlies on the road. Golden state is fodder or cannon fodder having started. Oh, and eight and then, and then Ben and been blasted, excuse me to wrap up a pre-holiday road trip after his injury. Uh, and then there's a lot more stats that go into it. Um, We've never seen anything in the modern NBA quite like what Golden State is doing this year. The last time a team simultaneously had the league's best home record and worst road mark more than 15 games into the season was in the 1976 to 1977 season when the Supersonics won their first 13 games in Seattle while going two and 12 elsewhere. Um, Yeah, it's pretty, pretty stark. Um, Another one, the three-point shooting, is worth noting. At Chase Center, Warriors opponents are making 29% of the three-point attempts, uh, which is the league's lowest mark by a wide margin. However, on the other hand, when they're on the road, the opponents make 41%, uh, second only to San Antonio Spurs. Um, So, again, pretty massive uh, difference there. And that's a good chunk of it. Let's see here. Hmm, What is this one? Um, Sorry, just just combing through the rest of this article seeing what else was worth noting, but it's a great article. I definitely recommend if you, it's an ESPN plus uh, exclusive article uh, so you have to have that to be able to read it. However, if you have it, um, you know, you don't feel the need to get ESPN Plus specifically for this article. A subscription is not worth just that. It's a decent subscription. But um, if you have ESPN Plus, I recommend re- reading this article. It's a, it, it's a pretty interesting piece. Uh, not Not too long, but definitely a unique situation. And you'd think with Steph Curry back and now that they're halfway through the season that they'll probably be able to string together some more road wins. Um, But definitely just uh, an interesting piece to to note. Um, Hopefully that wasn't too loose and unstructured. Uh, Regardless, let's go ahead and do our This Day in History closing fact. So This Day in History, January 10th, uh, 1986, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar of the Los Angeles Lakers scored his 30, uh, 34,000 career point. At the time, he was the only NBA player to reach that milestone. And I thought that'd be a great one to note because, you know, the Clippers, or sorry, excuse me, the Lakers were playing Monday and LeBron was only 35 points away from breaking that 38,000 threshold. And when he does that, he'll be the second player ever only behind Kareem. To pass 38,000 career points. Um, But he didn't play Monday. So that didn't happen. But uh, I think they play Thursday. So the dates when he passes 38,000. Could potentially be fairly close. I thought they would be. You know just a day off. But still a cool note. Again he was the only player. To reach 34,000 when he did. And now. LeBron is chasing him at 38,000. So even after he was so far ahead of the rest of the players in NBA history, he still kept going and went another 4,000 and then some to finish his career. Uh, Kareem, that is. So very, you know, very cool stuff, obviously an all time great. Um, And that, that chase of the record books for LeBron continues to be uh, the main story. Of course, if you look at, um, Yeah, so Carl Malone is only the third guy who passed, or he was the second of three total who passed 34,000 points. And so many other players haven't. Kobe, Michael Jordan, Derek, Will Chamberlain. Um, So, yeah, just obviously pretty interesting, impressive stuff. But uh, regardless, let's go ahead and – Kind of get things wrapped up here off of that closing fact. Um, Yeah, mid-season of the NBA. We're basically right at that point, the halfway point of the season. See what teams do from this point on. Um, Also, just a quick side note again on the Instagram account. If you haven't seen that yet, it's crossover across time, all one word, no caps, on Instagram. Uh, I did post today, updated. um, Technically, it's going on Wednesday, but this is Tuesday's show, but... Uh, some updated power rankings that Justin did for the end of week 12 uh, Sunday. So those are a couple days past, but he did some updated power rankings. We've added those. So you can see our, the three of our different perspectives, me, Wyatt, and Justin, our different power rankings at the end of week 12. Um, And we will have him back on technically later tonight, but tomorrow night, Wednesday night, We'll have him back on. We'll do our, our normal show, game summaries, key news. Uh, and then we're going to focus back. We've had a couple shows where we've bounced around and done some combinations of things as we've missed days. But we're going to focus more on our Wednesday-specific stuff, which, of course, includes our weekly predictions. But we'll also do, you know, like rumor mill type stuff, you know, trade rumors, playoff previews, um, league storylines, things of that nature. Uh, and – that's going to be great to have Justin back on and talk about this stuff with him. But regardless, uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening to the show. Uh, Hopefully we're keeping you up to date with all the NBA action and uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow.